0: G'day, it's Clint here, and I've got a guest with me today who's been an intensive care nurse throughout her career. Uh, she developed rheumatoid arthritis a couple of years back and has a great story of success to share with us today. Uh, it's Julie from Adelaide. How are you going, Julie? I'm
1: um, good, thanks.
0: Give us a snapshot of what we're in for. We like to do this at the start of each episode, is just as give us a little before and then after, so that we get an idea of how far you've come.
1: So I'll start with them in September, when my husband and two kids and my two children were on holiday in Alice Springs camping. Just before we left, I had stiffness in my fingers, and it felt really unusual, and I thought, that doesn't feel right. So I went to the doctor Who suspected there was something wrong with my joints and he referred me to rheumatology. But then so then we traveled to Alice uh, in the car uh, with a trailer with camping tent on the bank. And over those days, I started to feel stiff and pain in my joints. And I noticed it was taking me a lot longer to get in and out of the car. Mm -hmm. And I didn't feel well in myself. Anyway, so we end up in Alice and we're camping and we're on a bed on the blow-up mattress on the floor and the pain was getting worse and all my joints were hurting. Moving was really difficult. It was taking me five minutes to get off of the floor when normally it would take me 20 sec- 10, 20 seconds.
2: Wow, Yeah.
1: It was taking me a long time. I had to get things to support me to be able to get up.
0: Yeah, where where was, was it? All throughout the joints. Was it mostly your fingers, wrists, elbows? It was
1: everywhere. It was my elbows, my shoulders in particular, my ankles. Yeah, I could feel it in my knees. Uh, more so when I was kneeling on the floor and trying to get up, they were really painful.
2: Mm.
1: And um, and over those few days, it just got really, really bad. I ended up in accident emergency in Alice Springs Hospital. They were really good. My husband was really concerned that on our travels that he might ha- have to get the helicopter to send me back. Wow. So in the middle of the desert, he didn't want that to happen. So I said, look, I'll be right. Just I go to, We'll go to Is Rock and I'll just sit under a tree and read a book. I'll be fine.
0: Yeah, it's quite the adventure. So my husband for, for said that. no.
1: Oh. <laughs> No, right. I said, well, we'll go with the doctor and we'll see what
0: he says. Yeah, can I just help for those international viewers uh and listeners who aren't familiar with where you currently are describing what, what's going on? Alice Springs is as much outback as you could possibly imagine. It is a it is a very, very remote town that exists in the middle of the outback in the centre of Australia with blistering desert-like conditions and it's a touristy town with a lot of local, you know, Aboriginals and also, uh, you know, people who make their uh, local businesses there and so forth and they service Ayers Rock or uh, Uluru and um, from there it's a tourist hub to go and visit that huge monolith, the biggest uh, monolith in the world, uh, Uluru, which is a fascinating, incredible thing to see. So here you are camping in the desert in this remote yeah. area and you're crippled you yeah. can't get off the floor so i mean popular, this makes no. this makes for a documentary but okay what happened next <laughs> <laughs> so
1: i've been i've been in accident emergency <laughs> in the beginning of the week and seen the doctors but it got really bad so my husband took me back there when we were arguing about what is whether i was going to go to airs rock or not and i said we'll just see what the doctors say hmm. so the intern that saw me got the head doctor in. He said to my husband, "If this is this lady your wife? And he said, yes. Well, if she was my wife, I'd have her on the next plane back to Adelaide. She's really sick. We're not sure what's going on. Uh, it's not point in taking bloods here because you're just traveling again after. She'd be better off getting all these tests back, done back in Adelaide. So then he had to book me a flight back to Adelaide hmm. and drop me off there the next day. We'd only been married 18 months and I had to leave him with my two children, which I've never done before.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, And they got to see Ezrock, but I missed out. So I've still got to do that trip again another time. (laughs) Yeah. I ended up here. My other son picked me up from the airport and he couldn't believe I was walking like an 80-year-old. Yeah. He said, oh, mum. And I was so glad I came back because I took really, really ill. Yeah. And... I cried all night in pain and I went to the accident emergency and it was busy. I waited all day and then the rheumatologist came to see me and she wasn't sure what was going on but she was pretty sure that's what it was and she wanted to send me home and I said, look, you can't send me home. I can hardly keep my balance. Hmm. I'm a falls risk. Mm -hmm. So I insisted they admit me, so she did. And then over the next two or three nights – I experienced such severe pain in my body when I woke up in the middle of the night that I couldn't move. Wow. This happened three nights in a row. Now, you can imagine that I'm an ex-nurse from ICU and I'm wondering what is going on. It took me – I had to start moving my fingers a little bit, then my whole hand – it took me five minutes to ring the bell for help. Yeah. Then it took me another five minutes to get off the bed and then another five minutes to walk to the toilet.
2: Mm. So mm. I
1: was really bad and I ended up having to have they were sure it they thought it could be rheumatoid arthritis, but it takes a while to to diagnose that.
0: Well, yeah, so did had anyone had shots. Did anyone uh, draw your blood and then run the blood test to examine oh, yes. Yeah. So yes. you were waiting on those results while you're in agony at, at the hospital, yeah?
1: Yes. And my ESR was over 100.
2: hmm yeah. So
1: I thought something's really wrong. Yeah. And my CRP was up and I had rheumatoid factor. I can't remember what it was then, but it-
2: Was anyway, elevated. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it was elevated. I had it. And so they had to give me intramuscular injections into both shoulders.
0: So I'm surprised they didn't go ahead and just give you like a-
1: They were giving me hip he- 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 of
0: Right, giving you ibuprofen. Okay.
1: Double the dosage. Yeah. I was on massive doses of ibuprofen and I had mm. to have somat to stop my stomach from bleeding.
0: Right. Okay. And then, wow. stop your stomach from then, bleeding from all of those painkillers. Ibuprofen. Man, yeah, because can, it's so bad for the gastrointestinal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Wow. Okay. So they so, were, what were they giving you to prevent that? Were they giving you um, like proton pump inhibitors, like these drugs to try and prevent?
2: So no?
1: they had me on, they had me on like a painkiller. Oh, I can't remember what it was now, but they yeah. ended up a few days later putting me on Panadine four, four times a day for the pain,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which, yeah, you shouldn't be on, but uh, I had to have um intramuscular injections, injections yeah. of cortisone into both shoulders, one each, and then uh, that improved my symptoms a little bit. Mm -hmm. Then three days later, I had to have another cortisone injection into my backside.
0: Yeah, well, that's the one I was expecting. That's the one that I thought they might give to you right away just to get you functioning again. Okay, so uh, talk about a- Seven
1: days days in hospital.
0: Seven days in hospital, right. And then you've left there pumped up with prednisone, painkillers, injections into your shoulders, and walked out. So obviously the the uh, those interventions are all very temporary. So yep. what happened yep. next? I mean, you've gotten off to well, this tragic start. Like it's it's very fascinating at this point. So how did things develop?
1: Well, I was on Panadine 4 four times a day for five weeks. Mm-hmm. And so I was having problems going to the toilet by this stage. Mm-hmm. And I was still on the ibuprofen, which I was then finding out was I needed to get off because it's really bad for my gut. Yeah. But I was taking the other medication to stop the bleeding. My husband said to me, Julie, you're turning into a drug addict, you can't stay on that. I said, Well, I have to, I'm in too much pain. Yeah. And so I started researching anti-inflammatory foods. Yeah. And I was didn't know what was wrong with me at this stage because this happened in September. I wasn't actually diagnosed till January, oh, two thousand seventeen. Okay. Right? Yeah. So I did my own research, and I came across. I thought I had fibromyalgia, and I came across this YouTube video where these people that had years just had fruit and vegetables,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: their pain got better. So I thought, oh, I'll give that a go. It could be that.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: so you know what happened? Um, this is the start of my getting off the drugs,
2: yeah,
1: right? Yeah, 60% of my pain had gone within a week.
0: Just by eating fruits and veggies?
1: Just eating fruit and vegetables. And
0: you would have lost a, quite a lot of weight as well yeah, during I that lost, week? Yeah, I lost,
1: actually, I was so full of information, yep. you wouldn't believe this, but I lost five kilos in three days. Wow. Because I was just so full of inflammation. Mm -hmm. Because I was on my normal diet, dairy and everything then.
2: Yeah, yeah, sure.
1: And, And then the following week, I kept doing just fruit and veg, and yep. my pain had reduced by 80%. Wow. So then yep. I was able to cut back on the Panadine-4. I stopped gradually over those few days having the Panadine-4 and just having Panadol.
2: Okay. I cut
1: back on the Ibuprofen.
2: Yeah.
1: Through looking at the anti-inflammatory foods, I found that garlic, ginger, turmeric. I started having heaps of that in my food. Yeah. Yep. And I started to get better.
2: Yeah.
1: Then I came across autoimmune paleo, so I gave that a go. And I started to get better, but it was still there. Mm -hmm. It was still there. And then the symptoms, even doing that, the symptoms started to get worse until finally in January I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. Yeah, I wouldn't say. But I had managed to get off all the banatine fort by then.
2: Yes,
0: huge (laughs) effort, which I put down to the uh, fruits and vegetables stage, which is fantastic. I wouldn't say even doing the AIP approach that you were able to uh, keep symptoms sorry no. no I would say that symptoms continued to come back after you yes, introduced you. those yeah because let's face it like almost nothing can compete with just fruits and vegetables it's actually not enough calories to get you to sustain you and it's probably not completely nutritionally uh, sufficient however it's fantastic for inflammation reduction and so um that was that was obviously you know a little bit of Genius on your own on your own part. You've been resourceful and gone and found other people who've done something and gotten success. And we know that success leaves clues. You've taken those clues. You've implemented them yourself. You've got the same results as those folks, and then you've been able to get off some of the real nasty uh, stuff for your gut. Um, okay, and then you've experimented with a uh, meat inclusion diet, that's high in fat that we know is not successful long term. Yeah. Uh, you've had so some I started, challenges. I
1: kept having meat and dairy after I stopped that fruit and veg. Right, yeah, so right. I went back to my normal diet basically. Okay, but I eats more fruit and veg. Okay, and yeah, and, and not then as you much got, bread.
0: Got diagnosed, and so when you got diagnosed, what did the rheumatologist want to do?
1: Uh, the rheumatologist. Um, at that point, I remember my ESL was 56, my C-reactive mm. protein was 24, okay. and I still had the rheumatoid factor yep. at 14, I think it was. Yep. She said, well, you need to go on methotrexate. You're pretty bad. By yep. this stage, um, it had got quite worse over a few weeks, mm. and I had um, you know, those elastic supports uh, that you can get, tubular supports. Well, I had them on my ankles, my elbows, my knees, and I was finding it a bit difficult to walk again. Then, mm-hmm. so uh, the doctor said, "I need to put you on methotrexate." And I heard alarm bells. I said, "Really?"
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I said, "Well, hang on a minute." She said, "Well, you'd need to take this because your symptoms are really bad. Uh, you were really sick in hospital. It's the same rheumatoid- rheumatologist that's seen me in hospital when I was really sick." Okay. She said, "You've got to take this because you can lose function." And your bones can get attacked, your joints can get attacked quite quickly. And I'm really worried about you. You must take this methotrexate. I said, well, okay, well, just give me the script. And so yeah. I went home and I went into panic mode. I thought, I looked at methotrexate and I thought, there's no way I'm going to take this. Mm-hmm. So because um, <laughs> of all the side effects, and oh, I, yeah. had, I had had asthma really badly um, before as well, before I ended up in Alice, and I'd just been put on a preventer, which I stopped taking because I thought that was causing my joint inflammation. Oh, yeah. And I thought, I don't want any more damage happening to my lungs. So I'd, I'd had whooping cough with mm. my uh, when I was pregnant 11 years ago. I was mm-hmm. really sick with that, and that damaged my lungs a bit. Okay. So anyway, I came across your program. When I was doing all my research, I saw you on YouTube, and I came across your program – and I started doing that.
2: Mm-hmm. So I did
1: the celery and the cucumber juice for a couple of days and the pain eased a lot. Yeah. So once I I saw you doing a YouTube video where you're explaining um, how rheumatoid arthritis starts, and once I understood that it starts in the gut yeah. and big proteins end up in the blood, your immune system attacks that, but it attacks the end of your joints because it looks just like the protein in the blood. Once I understood that, there was no way I was eating meat of any sort ever again. Wonderful, it was, yeah.
0: Wonderful. Okay. Well, now that that's so, that's profound. Yeah. Okay. Good. So you you've you've sort of identified with the explanation because of your nursing background. This made sense to you, and you liked that explanation. So now that was sort of the penny drop moment. Okay. So you've done the first two days of the juice cleanse, and then you've moved on to the basic foods over the yes. coming months. Were you able to avoid the methotrexate and were you able to get all your symptoms I suppressed? never went
1: on the methotrexate. Okay. Because my symptoms got better. As quickly as I got sick back in the September, wow! I made a very quick improvement. So within a week of not eating meat, dairy, anything from an animal at all, I was able to get rid of those supports and I was able to run with no pain, and climb stairs with no pain. <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> I'm serious. I was just blown away. I couldn't believe it.
2: Yeah, yeah. And it, three
1: months later, I went back to that doctor, and she said, how are you going to the methotrexate? I said, I'm not taking it. Yeah. I know you said I should, but I'm much better. And so she tested my joints and that, or, you know, my wrists and my elbows, and she said, oh, you're going into remission. And she told me that couldn't happen. I had asked her about diet early and she said, no, diet has little to do with it. Yeah. You could lose function everything. You must take this methotrexate. And I thought, yeah. no, I'm sure there's another way. Yeah. Anyway, she couldn't believe it. And mm. she checked my bloods and she said, oh, wow. Because then in three months my, my ESR had dropped to 18. Normal. From it's
2: 56
1: to, normal. to 18, <laughs> yeah. three my C-reactive protein had dropped 24 to 16. Yeah. She didn't test my rheumatoid factor that time, but mm. she knew that I was getting better. So I kept doing that. Yeah. And then, yeah, so I was able to work as I had been working. Uh, I worked part-time uh, casual. Yeah. I actually worked with Aboriginal men with complex needs.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, I'm also a nanny.
2: Fantastic.
1: So- yeah, I was able to do keep working because at that point when I saw the rheumatologist yeah. and she said, you need to get methotrexate, I was about to resign Yeah, because I was finding it so difficult to walk yeah. and get in and out of the car.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm sure a lot of oh. people uh, following along right now can relate to that. Okay, so it seems to me like you've had, you know, across the spectrum of ways in which we respond to dietary changes it seems that your body was extremely sensitive to the either the animal fats or the animal proteins or both mm. and you may not have necessarily been particularly uh, susceptible to food sensitivities as such it might have just been just generic animal fat animal protein and so i
1: was actually yeah. I was actually sensitive to dairy.
2: Yeah, well, because yeah, that's, I'd had yeah.
1: problems with my gut three years before this happened. Yeah, and it just got worse. Mm-hmm. And in the end, I couldn't have a teaspoon of milk. I'd be on the toilet for two days with diarrhoea. Right. So yeah. I couldn't have milk. I could have a little bit of cheese back then, but not mm-hmm. now.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So I had a lot of gut issues. Yeah.
0: Well, and
1: we- wasn't sure why. So you can yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's almost, and not almost, it's a prerequisite of developing these diseases to have Mm. a gut issue. Yeah. It's a prerequisite. Now, let's talk about this a little bit more. Um, You mentioned in the moment or two that we spoke just before we started recording that you, just like me, took a whole bunch of antibiotics uh, leading up to your um, inflammation commencement. That's right. Can you share with us uh, how long you took antibiotics for and how close it was until you, like what the period was between the antibiotics and when you got symptoms?
1: Yes. Well, I was, that started the antibiotics in January of 2016 and it sort of went away for a couple of weeks and I was back on antibiotics and it went away for a couple of weeks and they put me back on antibiotics. I think it was amoxicillin most of the time. and Then they put me on a different one. So, over about five months, I'd been on four lots of antibiotics. And yeah. then, when they did the, the doctor, wise doctor, decided to do an actual swab, found out it was fungal. Yeah, and infection. we're talking so about near no infection.
0: Yeah, we're talking about near yeah. infection. Yeah.
1: There was no need for me to have had been on all those antibiotics,
0: mm. which then, I was
1: upset about.
0: Yeah, most definitely. When I
1: found out what it had done.
0: Because if you're eating foods that aren't compatible with your body, the body's got digestive issues as a result, we've got a bad microbiome, and then on top of that unstable environment, we throw down the antibiotics, which then obliterate good and bad bacteria, and then we do it again, and then again, it's just the final straw and snaps everything, and the body gets completely out of whack. And then stuff starts entering the, entering the blood mm. that shouldn't be there and we can't stop it because we've lost our mucosal lining and we've got these mm. holes in our epithelium and all hell breaks loose and then it becomes mm. permanently confused. So so I just wanted to include that because we see this time and time and time again, these uh, this consecutive or multi-use of antibiotics leading up to um, yeah. leading up to the symptoms commencing almost as a uh, as a as a trigger or a causative mechanism okay so now
1: so then it was September when I got really sick
0: so it was like six seven months later something like that yeah yeah, yeah.
1: well I I think the last lot was in May okay four months later four
0: months later yeah Interesting. So my antibiotics I took were as a as a teenager and into my early 20s. And I took 5 years of consecutive doxycycline. Like that's that's got to be some kind of stupidity record. Anyway, so that's what I did. And then of course I was in throughout the 20s, you know, it's probably our worst dietary years. Um, I met I was at university where I'm drinking casually and also, you know, eating two, lots of 2-minute noodles to for late night snacks when I'm up studying yeah. late and that kind of silly stuff. And then Um,
1: Getting adequate nutrients. Yeah, yeah, that's right.
0: Flooding my body with purity. Um, And then then I had what you described earlier. I would always be sensitive to dairy. So I'd noticed that if I had one spoon of ice cream, the first spoon of ice cream that I would have, I would immediately feel my nasal cavity block up so I couldn't breathe through my nose. So I'd eat it and I couldn't get air. And I always thought that's the weirdest thing. And I started seeing naturopaths before, years before I got diagnosed Mm. with rheumatoid. I was seeing naturopaths trying to work out what's wrong. Why do I react to to dairy? Mm. And and it's actually like it's mind blowing that I kept eating dairy. It's mind blowing. And it, but it does yeah. give me this yeah. empathy. Like, it gives me empathy to have these yeah. conversations with others and with clients who say, "Well, I was doing this, and then I was still eating dairy and stuff." Because I, despite the most powerful evidence, continued to eat things that mm. were having a negative impact on me because I couldn't.
1: Because you believe, like them. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I couldn't believe
0: that, 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 we all, that the whole of Western society could be all wrong. How could we all be wrong and all eating the wrong thing together like fools? And yet we are. Yeah. I was.
2: Yeah.
1: My kids um, have started to change their eating as well. Great. Uh, My 21 and 17-year-old sons live together and I was quite surprised when I went round to their flat and they had rice milk in the fridge. No way. (laughs) And I said, what are you doing with rice milk? They said, mum, you told us milk was bad for us. There you go. (laughs) And then my 17-year-old son, who's a fantastic cook, he's got all these cans of chickpeas and lentils. He was cooking a big curry, you know. Wow. I also did explain to them that lentils is a lot cheaper than meat.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah,
1: like a can of a can of four bean meats <laughs> or lentils in coals. is like seventy five cents. Yeah, and you yeah. pay so two cans of that for a family. Yeah, and you pay at least eight or ten dollars for your meat. Imagine um, the savings. Exactly,
0: and, <laughs> and you know so
1: it has saved our budget.
0: That's fantastic, and that, I mean that's a s- sustainable, a, a global sustainability argument right there. I mean, if we want to <laughs> <laughs> seriously, if we only look at the economics about it. Then, if yeah. everyone just went with, you know, plant-based sources of high-protein yeah. foods like lentils, um, which, by the way, are linked. They're, they're the most strongest link to longevity. The longest living uh, people yeah. on earth uh, are linked to eating the highest consumption of lentils. Yes. Okay, so we know that they're a healthy food in more ways than just being, uh, you know, a good plant-based source of, of high-protein content. And the
2: other
1: amazing thing is, Clint, that Mm. at the big, um, since I changed my diet radically um, after getting scared from the rheumatologist, I was only sick one day in the whole of last year. Yeah. I just had a little bit of a headache and had a bit of a head cold and it went away the next day. Whereas the year before, I was sick all
0: the time. Yep. Dairy will it's do amazing. that too. You know, you, like here's what but, I observe now with kids. I observe this all the time. This is what I see, right? I see a kid drinking milk and as they're drinking the milk, the snot starts. It's like there's yeah. a leak. In, it's like <laughs> yeah. drink, drink, snot, snot, snot. And it's yeah. like, hang on a second.
1: It's not good for you. It's not- <laughs>
0: It's not okay. good for you and and the connection <laughs> to me it's like you'd light a match, you'll start a fire. well, they drink yeah. the milk, the snot starts coming out, green, yeah. gross, horrible snot, and coughing yeah. and why get off that garbage, you know, mm. okay, so that's great. You weren't sick. And last year, it was actually quite famous around the world in the news stories that there was this Aussie flu going around that went through oh. Europe and really caused a lot of problems throughout Europe. And you were going it. through that. You were here in Australia without experiencing uh, or catching, yeah. getting that, that sickness. That's yeah. fantastic. Mm. And I
1: don't take the flu vaccine.
0: Yeah. I yeah. refuse
1: to have the flu vaccine.
0: Yeah. That's so. a controversial one. I personally yeah. don't take it either, and I don't. Recommend that people get it most of the time without knowing specifics, but normally I say, "Look, I don't ever get it." Um, I've noticed that uh, you know they've become
1: too healthy.
2: Well,
0: (laughs) you know, I've got my own personal reasons for it, but I think that I've got a good chance of of beating that thing. You know, I'm not on any immunosuppressants, I'm not on any medications, and I eat in a way that maximizes my microbiome, which is my immune defense. So I reckon my guys are going to have a good chance of battling whatever comes at it.
1: Well, if I was on the meth, methotrexate, that yep. would suppress my immune system, yep. and that's the rheumatologist said to me. You must make sure you have all your vaccines up to date and everything. Yeah, I thought, exactly. oh, I don't have all those vaccines,
2: yeah, exactly. and I don't
1: want to get sick all the time.
0: That's right.
2: <laughs> I'll take that.
0: That's right. So the drug. Right. So basically, the drug stops you from being able to naturally fight stuff. So then you got to go and take all of these other things to. To, to try all these other medical interventions to try and stop you from getting all the things that your body would have naturally prevented you from mm. anyway. And mm. then we then put the, the – we reveal the truth about the whole situation and all it's doing is suppressing symptoms anyway. The methotrexate's not even addressing the underlying cause. And That's you rock. go and you get rid of the underlying cause and everything goes away. Mm. The madness. It's madness. Isn't the world crazy?
2: Yes,
1: but um, I've joined. Am I allowed to say that group that I joined in a- in Adelaide to help me yes. to stay on track? Yeah. Um, I joined, I joined Plant Powered Adelaide. Yep. Which is actually run by a lovely doctor, and these people, a lot of them have autoimmune diseases mm-hmm. or coronary artery disease and and diseases that can be reversed by a plant based diet. So all these people follow a. Pl- that's why it's called Plant-Powered Adelaide. We're yeah. powered by plants. Yeah. So um, I found that that group's good to join because I actually find this way of eating difficult. you sure. And I need encouragement and support to stay on track. Yeah. I'm about to do a Food for Life course mm-hmm. So that uh, Dr. Helene yeah. runs. Yeah. And that's going to teach me more how to cook vegan cooking and not using oil.
0: Yeah, fantastic. So
1: i I've tried not. Uh, I don't use oil now, mm-hmm. but I was still using a little bit of oil in cooking. Yeah. And this will this course will teach me how to cook better. You know how to stir fry and do things.
0: Yeah,
1: without using oil oils, so things don't stick to the pan.
0: Yeah, good, good. Yeah, yeah. so
1: yeah, I realise oils a really bad thing to have. So I yeah. Yeah,
0: Doctor Clapper's got some really simple wisdom around this. When people have asked him at our events together in a live format, you know, they put up the hand. How do you do a stir fry if you don't use oil? And Doctor Clapper says, use anything that becomes wet. He said you can simply use use water or use something that has water content that quickly um, releases onto the pan. Like onions are a good one, so they immediately release some water content. Um, spinach releases water content, and you can use yeah. that to begin the um, the stir fry. But Melissa, my wife, she just uses water, and you just have to stay close to the pan because it doesn't. Yeah, it, yes, you can't go walking off and changing TV channels and watching the news and come back because it'll be gone. The water evaporates quick.
1: Yeah. So my family mostly follow this now, and my husband's more vegetarian, but. Because he works a lot now, um, I do most of the cooking. So I refuse to cook two meals. Mm-hmm. So, and I think it's healthier to eat vegan. So mm-hmm. they just have to eat what I cook.
0: Great, and, <laughs> and I know you've said you've only been into the uh, uh, marriage, uh, you know, less than two years. Um, has... Oh, three years now. Okay. Yeah. Has this yeah. brought you closer together or put strain on your relationship? Or has he reflected oh, the vegan on...
1: vegan eating? Yeah. And he can see that it's really helped me. <laughs> You're right. So yeah. he's supporting me okay. in this way of eating. But he yeah. does argue with me about cheese, cheese is okay, and I go, no, cheese is not okay. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: And no oil. Oil is good for you. Just use coconut oil. No, no, y'all can't have any oil at all. Yeah, yeah, good. So he, after we had this argument about it, he ended up making me a pastry, but it was out of... Um, Polenta,
2: oh, right, and,
1: and hot water with veggie stock in it, so there's uh-huh. no oil in it. So wow. I can now make like a pastry base, oh wow, with no oil in it. How
0: clever! Oh, yes.
1: Yeah, so we made that and did like a vegetable slices in it, it was quite nice. So yeah, he wow. got the message, no yeah. oil,
0: yeah, good, good. He's good. a really good
1: cook, so he's oh. he knows other ways to do things, yeah.
0: Yeah, well, there's a bonus there because you haven't yeah. got the sort of meathead guy who just only wants to eat meat, who doesn't know how to cook, and just says, "Woman, put my meat on the table." Like that's the. <laughs> that's the
1: well, I'm not even. I'm not even buying
2: it. So good luck with that.
0: That's the last kind of dude you want in your life. Um, um, okay, great. Well, all this is great. Just to back up a little bit, um, I just want to add a little bit of more encouragement. To anyone who's in the South Australian region particularly in Adelaide, um, Helene, who is uh, running that uh, group you mentioned before, Plant Powered Adelaide or Plant Based Adelaide, yeah. Um,
1: plant Powered Adelaide, yeah.
0: She's a wonderful lady who's well-connected throughout the, the plant-based world and, in fact, her and a, uh, uh, an event organiser, a friend of mine called Lucy, based out of Melbourne, the two of them and some other of their colleagues are organising the first um, plant-based conference for doctors in february 2019 and yeah i'm going to be hosting that and we're going to have Mm. some very big profile guests who i almost said but i'm not allowed to say who they are but internationally some of the highest profile plant-based doctors in the world very famous are going to be presenting at that so it's very exciting that's coming up 2019 um i think it's going to be held in melbourne um, Maybe and, they
1: can't include ex-nurses.
0: Well, <laughs> you might want to, uh, if you want to be involved in uh, events. I'll then
2: ask p- her. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps you want to speak
0: at one of my events one time. If I come to Adelaide, you can uh, do a guest yeah. spot. I'll, I'll give you an open mic session for five minutes. Yeah. You can tell I'm just stuff.
1: really interested in hearing the research because I often yeah. share my story with other people.
2: Yeah. And
1: I explained to them how my bloods have got better. And I like to, I actually want to go and study um, plant-based nutrition.
2: Awesome. Yep.
1: And so that I've actually got the facts and the research behind me that I can share with other people when I meet them.
0: Yeah, this is good. And so when people, when you're enthusiastic like that, I recommend uh, T. Colin Campbell's online course. You can do it. Yep. It's the best. So go and do that. I think it's like.
1: What's it called? Plant-based nutrition?
0: It's. Yeah, it is. It's called plant-based nutrition. So it's uh, Dr. Colin Campbell. As long as it's the yeah. one that's associated with his work, then mm. that's what you're after. It's the no oils mm. plant-based nutrition. Yeah, it's the one. So um, that's what I recommend. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit of an investment. I think it's like around about a thousand dollars. It might be a little bit more yeah. U- U.S. dollars. You know, it could be more than that, but i I've just yeah. got to, um just going off the top of my head. And yes, that would be the thing that mm. I would recommend. Yeah.
1: I've just um, completed a course in chaplaincy,
2: mm-hmm.
1: a certificate for chaplaincy and pastoral care, and I did my pastoral care education two years before that. So I'm just about ready to go and start being a chaplain at the Royal Aid Hospital, mm. where I used to be a nurse. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's lovely.
1: So, yeah, so, yeah, a good thing that's also come out of this is when I got really sick, yeah. I thought, what am I supposed to do with the rest of my life?
2: Right, yeah. And I'd
1: always wanted to be a chaplain Right. and and support people in that way. So now I'm going to actually be doing that.
0: Well, think of how much you can af- affect them in so many, not just a spiritual way, but mm. also if you get connected with them and they're in, you know, some kind mm. of physical Pain You can also give them some guidance around ways that they can easily uh, make some adjustments to their lifestyle as well, so this is a great opportunity to serve
1: um I'd have to be careful with that though, not to tread on any doctor's toes
0: you would, yeah. but when you <laughs> when you're telling your own story, yes, all I do is yeah. tell my story
1: that's right yeah. you know
0: it no one can get upset, argue, criticize or condemn if you're just mm. telling your story. That's this right. is what happened to me. This is what mm. I did. And if mm. look, that's as simple as that, right? This is how mm-hmm. it went down.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm 56 years young now, so.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a great <laughs> chance to, to, uh, to put in some wonderful decades ahead of some great contribution. Contribution feels good, you know. Mm. As a nurse, you'd have seen helping people feels really good.
2: Oh,
1: I really yeah. miss it. Mm. I just absolutely loved nursing. But the other thing I didn't mention is that I ha- had a bit of a back injury mm-hmm. from my nursing, mm-hmm. uh, my two lower discs.
2: Right.
1: But with the change of diet, my back's got a lot better as well. I mm. think I must have had some arthritis in my lower back where that injury was and could. now I jump out of bed.
0: Yeah, could be. Could so, be.
1: It used to take me a while with a stiff back, but my back's not stiff anymore, so.
0: Fantastic. Side benefits the, are endless, aren't they?
1: The other thing is also that um, uh, after the death of my first husband uh, seven years ago, I suffered a bit of depression. Sure. And about four years later, was diagnosed with bipolar. Mm-hmm. But another good thing that's happened is my mental health has got a lot better. Yeah. And now, uh, with the help of my doctor, um, I've been able to completely come off all of that medication as well.
0: Congratulations.
1: Because I think the way that you eat, uh, when you eat all the wrong foods and that, it can cause some inflammation in your brain. Mm -hmm. So uh, I I do think that following this diet um, has also helped my mental health.
0: Wow, no mm. doubt. So no
1: that's doubt. an amazing thing to do. Because when I was first diagnosed, I was told I'll be on this for the rest of my life. Well, hey, I haven't I haven't been on any medication for four months now.
2: Congratulations
0: again. That's so just fantastic.
1: I rattled in the hospital with all the medication plus my bipolar medication. Now I'm only on one little tablet. Yeah. For to treat my Hashimoto's.
0: Yes, which we'll we'll wrap up on um, because we actually haven't covered that since we started uh, recording Mm. here. But you've had Hashimoto's for, you told me prior to the recording, 18 years. Now tell us, you've said that that has also improved in the last, uh, you know, dietary change period.
1: Yes. Well, I started taking, I realised that I probably shouldn't be having gluten I spoke to a naturopath online on Facebook who said I should probably be having Brazil nuts or have selenium
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, vitamin B12 to help support the function of my thyroid. So I did that. Yeah. So no gluten. I had one or two Brazil nuts a day for the yeah. selenium, high in selenium content, and vitamin high potency, vitamin B12. And within three weeks, I had my blood tested, which I was supposed to anyway, and my thyroid started to improve so the doctor said i'm going to have to um reduce your medication so i've finally um i've been reduced from 150 to 100 of thyroxine which has not happened in 18 years so i'm going to keep doing that
2: yeah
0: i mean this sort of stuff is considered like medically impossible so it's just for mm. me like you know i It's just like, for me, it's like watching fireworks go off every time I hear things Mm. like that, just like boom, boom, it's just continually mesmerizingly awesome. 18 years, you're at one dose, you go plant-based, you make some tweaks, add some B12 and a little bit more selenium, and you can reduce your medications for your thyroid from 150 to 100. I mean, this sort of stuff is like... So phenomenal. And if you've got Hashimoto's, of course, the body's attacking the thyroid, the, the sort of prognosis for that is that it may continue throughout your life and you might need more and more medications. Mm. You're reducing medications. It's not like mm. even that you've, you're, you know, you're working against gravity in a way and you've successfully mm. done it. So it just deserves an, a big exclamation mark at the mm. end of this little section of mm. our chat.
1: And I realised gluten's really bad oh, and gluten, for people with Hashimoto's. Yes. Yeah. Right. And I right. had been having gluten, mm-hmm. and I noticed now, um, after not having gluten, that when I kneel on the floor,
2: yeah,
1: um, my knees don't hurt any anymore.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I, I did have a fall um, a couple of years ago and hurt my knees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's. I'm now feeling once cutting gluten out, I'm feeling so much better, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I've got a lot more energy. Whereas I used to like to sleep in, now Mm -hmm. I'm up,
2: ready to go,
1: you know.
2: Awesome.
0: Yeah, Yeah, so the way that I like to view gluten is think of it as a heavy barbell at the gym. So we go to the gym and we're lifting all the different Mm. proteins, which is the metaphor for digestion, right? So our digestive process goes in, it lifts the little barbell, it lifts the next barbell and it keeps working. But the big heavy weight on the bar is gluten. Mm. It's the hardest to break down in that it's a long chain. Mm. Okay. So okay. it's a long amino acid chain. And it just it requires more effort to to break okay. down. Okay. okay. So yeah. if we can lift the bar, then it means mm. our digestion is very robust, effective, and strong. Okay. But if we can't mm. break down the gluten or we can't lift that gluten, it just means that we haven't really built up our digestive system to the point at which it can handle it. And so I don't Mm. see gluten as particularly uh, an enemy or something that we should all be avoiding. Mm. I take the lead out of uh, Dr. Dooleyard's book, which is Eat Wheat, and the guidance that he provides in there, which is that once we develop a strength and power to our digestive system, Mm. then wheat can be enjoyed Uh, Not just wheat, but gluten uh, foods can be enjoyed and, in fact, have a lot of clinical benefits Mm. for health Mm. uh, once Mm. we're able to have them back into our diet. And so it's just like, you know, if you're at the gym and you walk over and and you try and lift the heaviest bar and you can't do it yet, well, you put it aside for a couple of months. Mm. You go and you keep eating all these healthy foods and lift all the other weights and break down Mm. those proteins. And you go and try and lift the weight again. And uh, I found that for me, um, that after a couple of years of being away from gluten, I was then able to enjoy it again and eat foods mm. constantly. Okay. Yeah. So it's not okay. the sort of thing that, like yeah. oils, we need to avoid forever. Yeah. It's yeah. like, it's if you struggle. You can have it, it
1: occasionally. Yeah.
0: Well, I would say avoid it until you can have it regularly. And then yeah. when you can have it regularly, if you find that it, yeah, here and there. Then do it here and there. But certainly, don't think of it yeah. as evil or an enemy. Yes, It's yes. just a it's it's a guideline or a litmus test as yes. to how good your digestion is.
1: Mm. But the uh, the other good thing that's happened was um, you know having the Brazil nuts uh, for the selenium, the B twelve, and cutting out gluten mm-hmm. is I've ag- actually been able to lose weight again. Great. Because my uh-huh. thyroid's improved, so I've uh-huh. managed whereas I couldn't lose hardly any. Mhm. Now mm-hmm. I'm back to losing weight.
0: Congratulations. Yeah. This is all so great. Fabulous. And then just to compare how you mentioned when you were we were first talking and you were struggling at the start and you oh. were in, in Alice oh. Springs. I mean, what's it feel like now for Julie waking up in the morning?
1: I, I actually feel like a new woman. I actually feel like I've got a different body. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Same person.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, Yeah. because I like, I remember sometimes when I was really sick, I'd come out of hospital, you know, I was walking like an 80 year old. Mm. I was walking hunched over. I was so stiff and sore, it it was almost like I was about to need a walking frame.
2: Yeah. With
1: all my supports, just so painful just to move. Mm. And now, you know, I can run and walk, I can do anything. So I do love swimming. Swimming really helps my joints.
2: Yeah,
0: Mm. absolutely. Yep. any exercise that we can Mm. add to our day more and more and more. I just think exercise Mm. is so underutilised and crucial. Absolutely. So well done, Julie. Well, thank you for joining me today. It's been fun. I've enjoyed listening to your story and you've got such a a fun personality. So it's been really enjoyable to chat. Congratulations on everything that you've achieved and uh, it's really exciting that you're part of a group so that you can inspire others uh, in that Adelaide group. Um, yes. And if you go and get your course and become, you know, educated formally via those those that that sort of format, then yeah. you'll feel that extra degree of confidence and have that extra mm. sort of string in your bow to be able to speak about these things more often if people ask you, you know, what should I do and what wow. about this and what about that? You'll be able to cover all the answers confidently. Yes. So, awesome. So, thank you very much today and uh I um look forward to uh keeping in contact with you down the track.
1: Thank you. You've been listening to the Patterson program. For more information, visit pattersonprogram.com.